Previously on Love Makes Old New. <gasps> oh, shit. Percy thought she caught a glimpse of young Adam in the shadows. She'd guessed her hallucinations would start up again. After she took a seat on the stoop, she looked up to see young Adam very clearly. He was peeking from behind the ornate wooden gate of the vegetable garden. Ignoring him, she rested her eyes on the box that sat in her cupped hands. Okay, Adam. What did I come all this way for? The box creaked as it opened, and inside she saw Adam's pendant. It was the other half of her pendant. She raised it to her chest and smiled at the clicking sound of reunion. As she examined the new half, she noticed there was something off. The pendant she'd seen Adam wear had sharp geometric shapes, which, when nestled next to hers, had merged into its floral, more feminine design. But this one in the box was etched with angular lines at the edges. The designs on this one didn't match hers. Plus, the initials ATP were etched on the back, but Adam's initials were A-N-D. Percy felt confused. Then, resentment covered every inch of her, like hot, dirty air gusting out of a sidewalk grate in a clamoring city. She felt soiled and cheap. Did Adam have dozens of these charms? Did he hand them out to any woman who smiled at him? Did he deliver that you-sure-remind-me-of-my-dead-wife bullshit to all those old, horny ladies at Shady Pines? Did the old biddies who mourned at his wake each have one of these pendants? Had she come all that way for a carnival trinket that once belonged to some floozy with the initials ATP? She'd believed she was special to the real Adam, but that turned out to be just another hallucination. How embarrassing. Even Adam's daughter had been fooled into thinking that the pendant was valuable. She was worried Percy would sell it on eBay? Yeah, that would be way too much trouble. She'd just string it around the neck of the next dog that crossed her path and be done with it all. Percy raised her head and saw young Adam about 200 feet away, standing in the middle of the yard. Go away! She stood, planning to storm into the house and demand that her dad take her back to the hotel immediately. But she stopped when she heard him speak. Sorry. He spoke in the same voice that she remembered. The same voice that had told her she's beautiful that had asked her to buy him a goat and had called down to her after she fell in that hole. The same voice that had told her he loved her. Um, I believe that's mine. Percy forced herself to turn around and couldn't believe what she saw. Adam was standing there, looking just as real as he looked at Fort Knox while she was high on psychedelic fumes. <sighs> For fuck's sake. Her Adam had walked forward and was standing at the bottom of the porch stairs. Yeah, that's mine. I'm a little ashamed. Um, I stole what was supposed to be in that box. When I heard he was dead, I, I don't know, it was a dumb idea. Can we just trade back and pretend it never happened? As if in a trance, Percy sat down on the porch. Adam's apparition sat one step below her. Here. He handed her a small item wrapped in a blue handkerchief. There's something special about this thing. I wasn't going to sell it. I just wanted to have it. I thought you were going to be some booming granny he met at the retirement home. But you're not. And, I mean, my mom gave it to you. Or thought she did. So, I feel like it's okay for you to have it. For real. Percy accepted the bundle and slowly opened it 
to reveal an exquisite diamond bracelet. The flexible metal band was an inch wide and encrusted with hundreds of small diamonds. Even in the dim light from the porch, it was scintillating. Oh, wow. She felt like a huge asshole for all the assumptions she'd made only a few seconds before. And this, I guess, is yours? She handed him the pendant that had been in the box. Yeah. He flipped it over to show her the engraved initials. ATP. Adeline Teresa Punicello. My mom's maiden name. Gramps made it for her. She gave the other half to my dad, and he left it behind when he split, and so she gave it to me. I think it's cool. You're, uh... You're not real. I'm not? He patted his chest and squeezed his cheeks. Oh, you know, that actually explains a lot. Yoo-hoo! Persephone! Oh, there you are. Oh, you've met Mickey. Your poor dad is getting an earful from Horace. But it seems like he's not entirely miserable. It's very puzzling. <laughs> you two want to come inside for ice cream? Adeline disappeared as quickly as she arrived. Persephone? Nick smiled as Percy continued to look at him like he was a ghost. Like the Greek goddess of the underworld. We just studied this. So Persephone, daughter of Zeus and Demeter, abducted by Hermes and kept prisoner in the underworld, which wasn't as bad as hell, but still not all that great. Persephone made the best of it and eventually fell in love with Hermes. Wait, is that... Yeah, that's right, right? And meanwhile, her mom, who'd been searching for her this whole time, finally found her, struck a deal with Hermes, and now each spring, Persephone comes back to the world above, and each fall, she returns to Hades, symbolizing life and death, yin and yang, spite and mercy, joy, pain, sunshine and rain, you know, all the dualities. After a sideways glance at Percy, he continued, but this is the coolest thing, I thought. There's so many different stories. Some make Persephone out to be this terrible, mean, overlord type, which would be easy to understand with her being stuck underground with all these dead people. Other stories paint her like a sweet hostess fetching warm towels, which I think is silly. The one I like is where she's a psychopomp. What's a psychopomp? Cool word, right? Very steampunk rock. So Persephone's down there in the depths of the underworld. No more sunlight. Nothing but canned beans and spam, right? But did she let that get her down? No way. She looked around and realized she was just like the people down there, drifting, unsettled, basically unsecure about what the hell was going on and what she was supposed to be doing. Like everybody, you know? So instead of despairing and feeling sorry for herself and taking it out on everyone else, or like bending over backwards and acting like a victim or something, Persephone decided to help all those lost souls find tranquility in the underworld. She connected with them, you know? She had empathy and compassion, made it seem like death was not a bad thing. She was their psychopomp that way. She didn't judge them for what had brought them there, just made the transition easier. She guided their souls and brought them peace in the underworld. Hmm. Percy was thinking of the letter from Adam that was in her back pocket. Evidence that she'd been Adam's psychopomp. Validation spread over her chest, neck, and cheeks like a warm honey. Well, we're well into autumn now, so I wonder what I'm still doing up here with you living people. Yeah, you should probably get back down there before Hermes gets pissed. But you probably have time for ice cream first, right? Yeah, okay. But, so you're really Adam's... Grandson. And this diamond bracelet was... Grandma's. And it was her grandma's. And hers and hers and hers, you know, family heirloom type thing. Shouldn't this stay in the family? 
That's what I thought. But listen, my gramps could be a very lighthearted, fun guy, but mostly he was super intense. More and more, he would just sit and stare. Everyone thought it was early dementia, but his brain was far from stalled out. That man was in gear all the time. Sometimes he was spinning, sometimes he was grinding, always thinking about things. Always thinking about my mom, what she needed, how he could make things easier and more efficient for her. He was really cool. Not ever, even slightly, impulsive or careless. He wanted you to have this for a reason, and we all talked about it. We trust Gramps. Well, obviously, I guess I didn't at first. But if he thought there was something about you, something special, we trust him. She turned the bracelet in the orange light and watched the diamonds burn. Do you... do you know anything about Adam's old house and his dad? Oh, you mean that great-grandpa was driven batshit crazy by some gas that was seeping out of the ground? We joke about it all the time. Even though it sounded like he dealt with some pretty serious terror, which is not really that funny. But we never joked around Gramps, because he never knew. My mom thought it would make him sad if he knew his favorite place on Earth was actually fuming with poison. I've been there. I was working at Shady Pines, the place Adam was living. He made me tea, and I really liked talking to him. He was the most real person I'd met in a long time. Adam talked about his childhood treehouse, Fort Knox, and one day I learned the address by snooping in his journal. It was kind of an accident, mostly. So I went there. I wandered around, was thinking about life and stuff, and breathing in a lot of what is apparently still very hallucinogenic. Percy looked over at Nick, expecting to see him rolling his eyes, but he had turned his body toward her and was listening intently. The next couple times I met Adam for tea, I... I watched him get younger, and he saw it too. But if anyone else saw him, he instantly turned back to near-death 82 guy. All we could think to do is, well, I smuggled him in my trunk to Fort Knox and visited him there every chance I could. Of course, I know none of that was real. I realized I only knew him for 17 days, and it was in my adult brain that I'd visited your 18-year-old grandfather at his tricked-out Fort Knox treehouse for months. In reality, I'd only smuggled him out in my trunk four days before he died. I know that's true, but I'm also quite sure that we gardened, floated on the pond, dug a composting toilet, and we raised goats. It was so much fun, but entirely fictional. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I finally found my senses at the bottom of a hole. It was a deep hole. It was so deep, Adam couldn't reach me. I had broken my leg, and that part's painfully true. So he had to go for help. We knew when someone saw him, he'd turn old again and he'd die. I had begged him not to go, but he did, and next thing I know, I'm being lifted out of a hole that was max two feet deep. My dad had tracked me down. It's crazy, but your great-grandfather had been his patient when he was a grad student. He'd recognized your last name. I woke up in the hospital, and I was my dad's reluctant patient for a few weeks. Nick slumped his shoulders and sagged his back. Whoa. So... I'm a legit ghost for you. Like, a phantasmal question mark on your sanity. 
Because, I mean, I'm 18, and apparently I look just like he did way back when. Shit. Nick rested his chin on his fist, and they sat in silence for a couple breaths. It sounds like your time with my gramps was real, though. I mean, not the usual kind of real, but who's to say? It seemed real to you, right? That's what my dad said. I do remember it just like I'd remember something that I could prove. She'd pulled her pendant out from behind her shirt and was nervously twiddling it in her fingers. Hey, that pendant looks... is that grandma's? We thought it was gone. We figured Gramps would give it to my mom, but we couldn't find it anywhere. Can I see it? Percy swiftly unhooked the chain and poured it into his palm. He clicked it next to the pendant he'd swapped for the bracelet and turned the completed circle over and back. I like to think he made these with tiny little tools that he also made, but I have no idea where they came from. They're so cool. Leaving the pendants connected, he hooked his around his neck. But not cool enough to have traded yours for this bracelet. Yeah, I did do that, didn't I? Well, I guess... I guess I was just leaving it there temporarily as a placeholder for you to find. Give it to your mom, okay? She really should have it. Nick shook his head. Nah, she doesn't care. Not her style. It's better that you have it. He pinched each end of the chain and raised his eyebrows. Percy nodded and leaned forward just a tad. Nick reached around her neck to refasten the chain. When he sat back, the pendants reluctantly slipped apart. The metal hit Percy's breastbone like a mallet on a drum. Something rhythmic reverberated between her and Nick. The beat felt old. It felt original, like the velvet pulse of a house-sized octopus, or the pounding gait of the very last brontosaurus. It had the tempo of insects palpating the earth and of crystals blooming on the edges of hot, white salt fields. It contained both the first crack of life and its final stumble. In that moment stuck on pause, Percy leaned into that groove. Whatever it was that bounced between her and Nick felt familiar. Ah, that's what it was. She'd heard it while climbing trees. She'd heard that same rhythm pulsing from tree roots to the tips of branches and pinging into the sky to fill that boundless expanse with a persistent pulse. She hadn't heard it in a while, because she'd stopped climbing trees after her mom... She'd stopped climbing because, while up in the treetops, her sadness poured vigorously into the sky. The air became dense, and it hurt to inhale her pain. The branches reached up, as if extensions of the roots, to ensnare her and pull her down to where there was no air. Every exhale was a scoop of wet soil that packed ever more tightly against her ribs. So she'd stayed on the ground with her head down, her sadness packed inside, and her mind engulfed in a low frazzle of frustration and cacophonous anger. It had felt safe to stay down low and embrace that static. There was Fort Knox. Up there, she'd heard echoes of that clear and calming rhythm. But since her time with Adam wasn't real, what she'd heard was merely a memory rising above the static. But Nick was real. 
and there on his porch, when the pendant hit Percy's breastbone, it was as if a sound engineer had turned a few dials to reduce competing noise and boost the bass. That primal beat came back in full force. She leaned in to listen and was recalibrated to that anchoring bass line. It began to pump her heart. Her heart that swirled in her torso, rippled through her arms, dove for Hades and punched at the clouds. That beat had always been there. That pulse is perpetual. It had not faded from her life. It doesn't fluctuate. We do. We're the ones who lose that ancient rhythm. That primal beat that oscillates beneath everything. It binds us. It always has and always will. Although it's loud in the treetops, it's easy to lose when we feel alone. But when we're with the right person, that pulse of perpetuity is impossible to miss. What makes someone a right person? The difference between a right person and a not right person is just like the difference between singing in a meadow versus in a shower. An empty meadow dilutes and disembodies a singing voice, but in a shower, where ceramic tiles and warm steam support and allow, a voice is able to embody and build, to sound lush and full. A not-right person doesn't listen or see another for who they truly are. They only look for what they want to see. When Percy shared her story about falling in love with Nick's grandfather's young ghost, Nick didn't balk or laugh. He didn't roll his eyes. He rolled with her. He held space for her in a way that let her be whatever size or shape or volume she happened to become. He gave her something clear and clean to bounce off of. Nick was very much a right person for Percy. Percy savored the solid rhythm of this primal pulse. In that moment, she felt activated and powerful, vulnerable and safe, curious and patient, but not in the way that may be depicted in an irresponsible rom-com. She was not an acquiescent woman gleeful to have been bestowed with the attention of a handsome man. No, this moment was not thanks to Nick. He was not a keystone or kingpin in her empowerment, but he was a co-conspirator. Percy knew that this beat originated in her, and in Nick, and in the garden, and the trees, and the wind, and the stars. It starts and ends everywhere, and then begins again. As sure as she was that she was feeling something ancient, still, as she sat with Nick in the glow of those vermilion porch lights, she was certain that her whole world had just begun anew. Nothing but a spark of love could make something that old seem brand new. Ice cream? Nick stood to help her up, and as they walked inside, he put his hand on the small of her back. So, Persephone, where's home? Percy's pulsing body was painted with peppermint.
Love Makes Old New was written and produced by someone called Dora Henry. For more information and sound credits, visit lovemakesoldnew.wordpress.com. And if you like what you hear, please leave an iTunes rating. Thanks for listening.